Warning, the following audio contains strong sports opinions of two very ordinary people with little to no professional sports or sports broadcasting experience. Those looking for facts and reason may be disappointed. None of the following ideas or opinions should be taken seriously. For real, these guys have no clue what they're doing. Listener discretion is advised. What is our intro going to be? I don't know. I was just like... <laughs> Welcome to the Bench Pod. That's all I got. We'll come up with a snappy intro eventually, but for now, we're just going to stick with Welcome to the Bench Pod. I'm Jordan, and this is my host, Chris. I'm your host. Co-host or host? I don't know. Is it my show, or is it our, is our both of Our us? show. Our show. Anyways... This is going to be a podcast about basketball, sometimes football, maybe a little video games, little movies, pop culture. We'll see. A little bit about us. I am not a professional sportscaster. I never played sports professionally, nor have I ever played sports in an organized manner. It's not true. Past past middle school, excluding men's leagues. There you go. There you go. Or, Or intramurals. Yeah. I am a so, professional in all the things that you are not. Oh, okay. Well, shit. Well, do you have anything else to say about yourself? No. Nothing uh, Nothing to know. You're just going to be mysterious? I mean... The two people listening are going to want to know. Two people listening probably know who I am. Exactly. There you go. So I don't need to explain. All right, fine. Chris is the mystery co-host. Mystery host, sorry. Host. I played basketball. He played basketball. I know little to nothing about football. He's a dad. I don't watch many movies. Yeah, you do. Just Marvel. Yep, that works. That's yep. all anybody watches nowadays anyway. That's true. That's all I make that's good. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, with that, let's just jump right into our NBA predictions. We're going to start Send off with it. some of the awards that we predicted. What do you want to start with, MVP? Yeah, why not? Okay, MVP. I'll... I'll let you do the honors. You go first. Who is your favorite? How many did you do? Did you do like first, second, third? Oh, you did first, second, third. I did like two that I think might do it, and then just like a dark horse random one. That works too. It's kind of what I did for everything. All right, give me your favorite. My favorite's Luca. Okay, why? I mean, he's so good. I mean, yeah, he's a walking triple double. Uh, Kyrie's unreliable. He'll sit out more than half the games this year. Something will happen. He's just got free reign. So you're free reign to like, do whatever he wants. You're thinking like Kyrie sits out like 20 to 30 games and the media is like, wow, this guy, this team's still good. I just mean like people may think that's a competing ball handler, but he doesn't play as much as you always think at the beginning of the year. I also think with Kyrie, I feel like it's overstated that like he's a competing ball handler because the guys played with LeBron, Durant, Harden, and it's all worked out. Yeah, it's true. I just think he's too good. I think he just keeps taking steps. He was kind of on the brink last year. He is really young. Him and Tatum are just like, it's. we're kind of in the spot where the people who are like the obvious MVPs like, 
LeBron and KD and like those guys when we were in high school and college is kind of like in a weird shifting point between the next generation and them of who's like a favorite yeah. MVP in my mind. Like so I think this torch. might be the year that Luca or Tatum push through if they if they have an insane season. All right, so who's your who are your other two? Uh, Tatum's my second. I'm assuming for the same reasons as Luca taking reason. that jump. Yep. Yeah, pretty poised. So who's and the dark? They horse? have no bench. I feel like he's just going to be allowed to go crazy and play a ton of minutes. They have no bench now after everything they did in the off season. So, and then my dark horse, I'm going Dame. Dame. Yeah. Even with the former MVP on his team. Yeah, I think it might make it easier. I think really? if he did what he did in Portland, he's the only guy. He might just be more efficient now. And you're in a new spot, feeling good. Everybody loves it in Milwaukee. Great organization. I think he has a chance of just going insane and doing I mean, it efficiently and easily. Well, yeah, we were planning on recording this. I guess disclaimer for whoever's listening. We were going to record this podcast before the season started. But we're yeah. actually like two games in. So, I mean, you're not wrong so far. The game one, he had like 37 on the Sixers. I haven't seen either of the games. That's great. That's perfect. I love but that I we started a podcast about talking about the NBA. We haven't watched <laughs> Well, I didn't see like the Milwaukee game specifically. Well, that's okay. Yeah, you I saw the box score? Yeah, We're I saw the box score. We're going to be box score analysts. Yeah. Everybody yeah. loves that, right? I mean, nope. numbers don't lie. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I li- that's I like why that I take. think. That's why I like Dame. He could be, and and things making it easier, could keep him off of injuries and stuff like that. So yeah. that's my dark horse. All right. All right, so for me, number one, I got Jokic. Just because I think last year, he would he should have won last year's MVP. And I think that the media is going to kind of do like a redo. They're going to be like, you know what? We messed up. You kind of deserve this one. We kind of yeah, screwed you over. It. And he definitely proved it after, you know, they're like, ah, is this guy really that great? And then he just tears it up in the playoffs. Absolutely cruises to his first ring. I mean, I'm sure he'd rather take the ring than the third MVP. But still. Um, yeah, I mean, does he even care either way? I don't think he cares. No, he wants to That's go ride my, horses in Serbia. The only reason I didn't have him in there and I put Tatum instead of him was because this whole like after the finals and off season of him just being like, yeah, I just play basketball because I'm good at it. It's, he's not like it's got to be overplayed. There's no way he cares this. Like, I feel like it's like funny to him maybe, and he just like plays into it. I don't doubt that he definitely like isn't super interested, but like, come on, yeah. Either way, I can see the NBA being like, we don't want our MVP to have that like kind of yeah. That's the only reason I steered away from him. I can agree with that. If it doesn't look good, (laughs) you're like, hey, MVP, I don't really like playing in this league. Yeah. After just saying numbers don't lie, I mean, his numbers don't lie either. So what are you going to do? That's what I'm saying. If he averages a triple-double, 56% for the field with the one-seed nuggets, because I just, I mean, I don't see anybody stopping them. They're just too fucking good. Yeah. Are we swearing on this podcast? Fuck it. Fuck it. Okay, we're swearing on this podcast. If we decide, we can bleep that out later if we change our minds. Um, so yeah, so that's my number one. And I'm Don't thinking, hate it. You know, second or third, definitely a toss-up, but I'm on board with you with Luca. I think he's taking that step forward. I mean, he's so young, and I feel like everyone forgets that he's, what is he, 23? 
22? He's 23. I don't know. Can't that's, be 22. That's absurd that he is 23, 24 years old. And he's putting up, you know, he put up a 30-point triple-double already. He carried his team to the Western Conference Finals. And granted, I don't think he has a lot of help on his team. And I think that almost plays into your, like, into the narrative of MVP. Because if you have too much help, eventually that's going to get brought up. Like, It's true. Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, when they played together, probably at some point, if you, like, really want to get into it, people were saying, you know, Steph Curry deserves MVP. Kevin Durant deserves MVP. We didn't want to give it to him because they're already playing with an MVP, which I agree with, but not everybody does. And I feel like, Luca, you're playing with Kyrie, who's already diminished in the media. Not that I'm a Kyrie fan. We know that. I don't like him. <laughs> but, but, like, I do think that Kyrie hate's gotten a little little crazy, and they're starting to think that he's just some type of scrub. But he's, you know, he's, one of, he's giving you 27 a game. He's 6-2, shooting over 50 from the field. I mean, that's rare oh for 50 or 60 any night doesn't yeah. matter Can just... it's just i mean it's just all a matter if he's a head case or not so yeah yeah <laughs> i heard something pretty interested on uh bill simmons podcast he's like when's the last time Kyrie irving had a normal season and they tracked it back and they were like 2016 and i'm like jesus i didn't realize it's been that long since like he's just gotten through a season like without any drama any weird things going on you just kind of yeah. forget but you're also playing under Mark Cuban, who just lets shit fly. So it I mean, is. maybe shit just he just lets it fly, and Kyrie maybe. plays more than we think. Who knows? Yeah. So I feel like the path for Luca to get MVP is, I mean, they got to win like fifty, at least fifty games, and he's got to be putting up like mid thirties in points and a lot more efficient than he used to be. Because the only thing he's really been missing, I mean, his free throws have always been kind of shit, but the thing he's been missing is like the efficiency from three. Once he gets that down, I mean, there's just no stopping the guy because he's not quicker than you, he's not stronger than you, and he's not faster than you. It's just pure skill yeah. and like basketball intelligence and using angles and using his leverage and just touch. And so if he could just get that down from three, I mean, he's gonna the scoring is gonna bump up slightly, numbers are gonna look better, media is gonna be happy, and that's how they're gonna vote. Yeah, and you're right. He's gonna have Jokic is gonna have winning over him, so he could go crazy, yeah. and his team could just not win, and that could be what screws him over. Exactly, because I feel like ever since I think ever since Russell Westbrook won it, it seems like the voters, whoever they are, because they're not all public, but it seems like they've kind of strayed away from the whole individual success over team success, and it's kind of swayed back to you know your team's got to be good, you got to be top of the league. Yeah, because for a while it was like Harden Westbrook just trading triple doubles, but now that's not as special with the way they play today. Yep. Um, but yeah, so three. My dark horse, it's a not crazy shot in the dark, but I'm thinking Shea. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. I, I don't I don't I'm not as high on the Thunder as everybody else is. It seems like a lot of people think they're gonna go like three seed in the West. I don't think it's gonna go that high, but a team that's in the play in last year, they get Chet Holmgren back. They have a I guess somewhat of a real center, at least somebody who's seven foot and can yep. defend, maybe not rebound, but defend. Touch the floor. Yes, and he's just Airlines. so efficient. The guy is six foot six. He gets you a block per game. He's your lead ball handler, and he shoots like ten free throws a game. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. rare to be that size. And same thing with Kyrie, like the the high field goal percentage being that that size, shooting that that's a pretty good indication that you're a dominant scorer, especially when you're putting up thirty a game. 
Yeah, and like you said, we're a couple couple games into the season and watching Bulls Thunder game, oh. I did not think he went as crazy. I didn't I would not have guessed he had what he had thirty one and thirteen or something like yeah. that. It it's just, just doesn't a smooth, seem like it. It's very within himself and within the offense. Yeah, it's fun to and watch. He takes over when he needs to, and I feel like their coach, Mark Dagonal, I think he coaches them well. They play smart. They don't like get out of control and have like wacky possessions that you see some other teams have. Like they're very, I don't know, disciplined, I guess. I just yeah. feel like a lot of times with MVP, it's like you gotta be somewhat likable too. Like you got people want to root for you. And I think Shea has that. So I could see him kind of sneaking in at some point in the MVP race and winning it. But like again, it would have to take some voter fatigue from Jokic and then Luca maybe not having that perfect season. <laughs> Yeah, like if the Thunder somehow win win and the Mavericks don't, I could see it. But I don't know how the Thunder are going to win. They don't have they don't have a legit second guy. Yeah, that's that's the only problem. That's what I'm saying. Like if if somehow they end up three seed, maybe four seed, and Shea's like just a bump up from last year, I could see them kind of giving it to him, or at least at least he'll get some votes. I'm pretty sure he'll get yeah. some votes because people are pretty sold on him, and I am too. He's Both legit. Votes for sure. I agree with that. All right. Let's move along to Defensive Player of the Year. You got All that right. one down? Who's your, who's your favorite? I have a feeling we're going to have some overlap here. I don't know. Mine are kind of weird. My Dark Horse. I'll start with my Dark Horse because I kind of like it. I'm, okay. gonna, I'm going Dark Horse. I'm going Evan Mobley. I like that. I think he is so long and so... He just always seems to end up in a play. I don't know if it's mm. the Cavs defense and Love how they so like long. to how they, <laughs> how they like to funnel just down to the big men. And now that they've he is the guy that you funnel to, I think I think he could go crazy. I think he could have yeah. a lot of blocks. He can play the perimeter. That's like the thing that people are starting to get fatigued with with Gobert and shot blockers and stuff like that is they get played out of games yeah. and can't play on the perimeter. So I think he's a guy that can defend everywhere and, and make a difference. So I like him. Obviously, I like Drew. <laughs> it's it's an easy pick, but he's on a new team. He's just never not in the defensive player of the year conversation in my mind. But he never wins it. I He never wins it, but maybe... <laughs> Like the way that everybody around the league talks about him, yeah, he's got to win it. it soon. He's got it. Yeah. I mean, if he stays healthy. This, he's on a good team. He's got. He's on a team that he can literally just focus on defense. Tatum's going to score. Jalen Brown's going to score. He's just just got to be a defender. And, and I agree. Then, I, I think. I'm, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but I was right. just going to say. I think it's sad, but a big part of it too is like the national spotlight. Like playing in Milwaukee, yeah, they were like a contender, but like no one cares about Milwaukee. I hate to say it. If there's anybody who's a Milwaukee fan listening to this, I'm sorry, no one cares about Milwaukee. It's sad. I wish they did. But when you're playing in Boston, LA, you know, Golden State, these big or New York, these big markets, you get blown out of proportion, or maybe not that, but like the spotlight's on you. And I think now with the like you're saying, now with the Celtics, the spotlight's gonna be on his defense. A lot more than it was when he was in Milwaukee. He was kind of the I don't know. I guess until they won that ring, he was pretty 
unappreciated around the league as far as yeah, you know, he just wasn't on winning coverage. teams. Yeah, like I think all the players um, knew this guy's for real, but it didn't seem like. I mean, you know, we're just everyday people. How many times did we see a Drew Holiday highlight before they were, you know, winning championships? I never. Yeah, until players started getting their own podcasts and being on ESPN and stuff like that, and actual players like retired people or even even present people who whoever didn't make the playoffs and then went into media for a little while, like I feel like that so, yeah. really started to push. It's one of the first guys that came out. Image around the league as like one of the best defenders. Yeah. So, and then my there. last one, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Triple J for the repeat. Triple J for the repeat. Really? Yeah. They're Memphis, even though they're a small market, they get so much media attention just because they're crazy. Because everyone hates them. Everybody hates them. It's gonna be like uh, <laughs> it's gonna be like bad boy Pistons. It's gonna be the bad boy Grizzlies. Oh, they're so bad. Look but at them. They lost everybody their bad hates boy Dylan Brooks. Yeah, he sucks. I sure though. did. We're happy but, he's gone. You know yeah, that's good for them. <laughs> As a Derrick Rose fan, I have to root for the Grizzlies now. So I can say mean? we we are happy Dylan Brooks is gone. Oh, you're you're an honorary Grizzly now. Yeah, Derrick Rose is on the Grizzlies. You're an honorary fan of half the league. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm hopping on the repeat bandwagon, going for it. I think it's a smart idea. I'm pretty sure Vegas, he's favored. So, uh, you know, the professionals in Vegas agree with you, sir. And uh, I also do because my favorite <laughs> is Drew. I was thinking the same thing. I feel like it's about time he gets his flowers. Yep. And like you said, he's going to have that role where they're like, we don't really need you to play that point guard, traditional point guard role anymore. Because I feel like, you know, the Celtics, they they run a way more, I don't want to say like positionless, but kind of. And it's way more like, hey, our wings are just going to move the ball, whether it's Jalen Brown, Derek White, it used to be Marcus Smart, uh, Jason Tatum. Like they just run a very fluid system through those guys. And I think... Drew Holiday, prior to being in Milwaukee, he was always cast as a point guard, but I don't really know if that's where he's best utilized. I think he's best as an off guard or secondary option or, you know, I don't know, just not a primary primary guy. And yeah, like you're saying, now he's going to be able to focus fully. And they're going to be like, here's what we need you to do. Just play like lights out defense every night. Yeah. And, and, and I he's going like, to lock people up. I feel like that's the blockbuster trade of the offseason. It's going to be yeah. talked about. All season long is Milwaukee and uh, Boston, as they keep going deep in the playoffs, like we all know they're going to, is going to be, was that trade worth it? So yeah. he's just going to have a whole other spotlight on him. And I think it was going to be worth it. Uh, second, I don't know if you're going to like this, but I got Wembenyama. I just, the guy is 7'5". I don't care what his <laughs> trainers say. 7'3 and a half my ass. He's 7'5", and his hands are the size of my face. They're probably bigger. They're definitely okay? The man can contest the freaking paint and the three-point line at the same time. That's absurd. Yeah. And I just feel yeah. like his impact is insane. I mean, seeing these videos of these guys are NBA players. They, you know, they can get a shot up over literally anybody. Like some elite, like Kyrie Irving. He's going for a three. He's dribbling up to the three-point line. You know, he's sizing him up. And then he goes for a three. 
and he's like surprised that it gets blocked. Kyrie Irving, you know, if it was, I don't know, like Denzel Valentine, I would be like, yeah, whatever. He's an idiot. Sorry, Denzel Valentine. Dude, I love Denzel Valentine. I don't. That's a conversation for another time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like I'm saying, Kyrie's a legit guy, and like if he... If if Wembenyama's getting the best of Kyrie Irving, trying to get a shot up, one of the best contested shot makers, I think he's going to be a real problem in this league with the whole defensive impact, uh, especially that wingspan, dude. It's crazy. It's crazy. There have been so many videos of people just not being able to comprehend, like professionals, guys in the league, not being able to comprehend, like how big he is. How big he is, and people scared to go in the paint against him, like they're not even trying. Like, I think I think he. I, I don't know as a rookie, but at the same time, I don't know how you don't at least give him a shot. Yeah, I mean, it's he's. And he's that's gonna the be, other thing. He's going to get the rookie hype votes too, where yeah. it's going to be like, "Well, this is crazy." Like, let's you know they're going to push it. It's it's good for it's good for interaction. It's good for the league. And I mean, the guy does. I feel like every time he plays in an NBA game. And even before that, you see a highlight and you're like, I've never seen somebody do that. And it's mostly because no one's ever been that long and that athletic. Like we have guys that like Mo Bamba, pretty sure he has like one of the longest wingspans in the NBA. I've never seen him do some of the things that Wembenyama's done in three games that I've watched. And he yeah. was supposed to. Yeah, and he, he was, was supposed, supposed to. to coming out of college. That's what he was supposed to be. And he just kind of turned out to be an eh center. Yeah. And so that's kind of my argument. I mean, the Spurs, like any other thing is like the improvement. Cause that's going to be like a numbers argument. They're gonna be like, look at how much the Spurs improve. And since they were dog shit last year, there's going to be a massive jump in contested field goal percentage at the rim. And maybe even the three point line. I mean, you, you've seen them block threes, you see them block at the rim. And like you said, just the pure intimidation factor, kind of like that, you know, peak Rudy Gobert had that same type of thing going. Where mm-hmm. like people just didn't want to go to the rim because they're like, screw that. I'm like, I'm just gonna chuck. Yeah. Less thing I, one less thing I gotta worry about. And then my third guy, same thing, Mobley. Um I'm gonna make a little revision here. Mobley, I won't beat a dead horse because we both agree. Same thing. Funnel him to the base. That's a bad dark horse for me then. I, I don't think it's that dark, dark of a I horse. Thought. That's a light horse. Horse of the right. light. Fair enough. <laughs> it's my light horse. But before the season started, <laughs> before Drew got traded, my dark horse candidate was Chris Depp's Porzingis. Because I feel like the league forgot that this guy was, when healthy, top five in opposing field goal percentage at the rim. He averaged about two blocks a game. And yes, he's not as bouncy as he used to be after the knee injuries and stuff. But same thing. Spotlight's on you. You're on a contending team finally. And... Though, especially the way the Celtics play, they kind of play a similar way to like, it's not very similar, but they're not funneling everything to the rim. They're more switching, but I'm assuming that now that they have Porzingis, I mean, he's not much of a switch defender. I think it's going to be more of that funneling stuff. And you're going to see him at the rim contesting most of these teams and doing it well because he's seven foot three and pretty damn athletic. Put on some LBs, man. He's a big boy now. I know. He used to be a lanky little giraffe. Now he's a, I don't know, muscular elephant. There you go. Muscular Something elephant. Something like that. Muscular elephant. Percepts for English. So that's Shrunk my dark horse. Put on pounds. <laughs> so that's my other thing, though, because a couple years ago, 
uh, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, like they were one and three in like that, the defensive player of the year ladder. And then Robert Williams got hurt and they gave it to Marcus Smart. So I don't know if they'd be willing to like do that whole thing again, where it's like, Hey, like these two guys both deserve it. And they're on the same team. Sort of seems like something weird. Cause it's like, well, if they have that much of an impact, like how much more can this one guy be adding? And that whole thing. Yeah, can't really but. attribute it to one guy. If it's, so yeah, I kind of have like Drew and or Porzingis, like whichever way it slides. Especially because a lot of times in history, guards just don't win Defensive Player of the Year, just non-bigs for that matter. I think I want to say Kawhi and Draymond are like the only two non-big men to win it in the past like 10, 15 years. It's that possible. could be very wrong. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, Dwight, Rudy Gobert... Won it for a while. I mean, it's yeah. triple J. J. Yeah. So usually it goes to big. So, but I, I do horse, think Drew deserves J. it. <laughs> Your dark horse, the dark horse repeat offender. <laughs> All right. Next, I, well, I'm going with MIP. We're gonna see what we got here. This was tough because I feel like usually every year there's like somebody that we've kind of pinned as like this guy's gonna take a jump. Like last year, it was Shea. Year before that, it was Ja. Like, we always have a guy where we're like, yeah, I think this guy's going to take a jump. And it's like obvious, and he does. Um, and the only person I was thinking about that I don't know if they qualify for this was Cade Cunningham. I don't know if he qualifies because... So a second-year player's never won it before, which for the obvious reason is like, you should improve from year one to one, two. Didn't Ja win his second year? No, third year. Third year. Yeah, so that's my whole thing. Like, I don't think, I don't know if like, since he barely played last year, like would they consider it? Would they swing that way? Because I feel like everyone's already pretty sold on Cade and for him to get it, you know, might might have to win a lot of games. And I don't think the Detroit Pistons are going to be winning many games. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that's just my little tidbit about that. But uh, I'll go through my one through three. I got Hit number me. one, Devin Vassell. I think he's a long athletic defender who can score. And now he's same thing. Spotlight with Wembenyama. The Spurs are going to be better. Ball's going to be in his hands. And um, oh, what's his name? Oh no, Trey Jones. Trey Jones' hands. <laughs> it's going to be in their hands a lot because you know, I mean, Wembenyama and Sohan aren't like typical, I guess, initiators. So I think yeah. Vassell. He had a good season last year, but he's got a little bit of like he's got some. He's a crafty scorer, a little more crafty than I think people know. Um, and I think that along with the defense, you're going to get a little more highlight, a little more love this year. So I got him winning it with Tyrese Maxey as a close second because I don't think James Harden's going to play for the Sixers again. What makes and you think that? I'm, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just had this random feeling that uh, Daryl Morey's a liar. Just thought about it. It's weird. Maybe James Harden's a liar. I don't know. Maybe he is. So I just feel like, hey, James Harden's not going to play. Finally opening the door for Tyrese Maxey, which I think should have happened a long time ago. It's clearly yep. good. Clearly has the potential to take that step forward. A lot of people hop- hopping on the Maxey train at the end of the year last year. Yep. And I'm kind of happy that that door's open for him to take that next step forward because I don't think, you know, I'm not saying that what James Harden can do is being can be replaced, but I think the fit is questionable, especially if you're going to play Maxey and Harden together. As far as two guards that aren't fantastic on defense, they're not long. They're not really going to bully anybody. <laughs> yeah, know, and, and, and it 
when you have Embiid, you don't you try to harden, you don't want another harden. Yeah. I don't think it works. I don't think that having the ball in your hands that much with a with an Embiid on your team who's that skilled, who should should be able to play off of as a second guy, I think I think it works better having a maxi type guy than a Harden type guy. Yeah. And then my last one, I have I feel like this is obligatory. Maybe this is the guy that everyone's pinning, but Jordan Poole. And I don't see him winning it, but I see him getting considered because I feel like after, you know, Kevin Garnett came out and he said, Jordan Poole is the next James Harden, which is a really big thing to say. Just to say Jordan Poole is the next James Harden, a guy who's been all NBA when he, you know, he's coming off the bench and then he became all NBA, all star, MVP. I don't think Jordan Poole is that. I can see Jordan Poole jumping from a disappointing year he had last year to like, you know, probably like 24 points, six assists on. 43 from the field and I don't know, maybe 38 from three, like nothing crazy, but good. So I see him coming in third and I also don't really see it as an improvement. I've always felt like he's been that good. He just couldn't really flourish in that system. That just wasn't his best, I guess, fit for how he's going to play. So I don't really see that as an improvement. I see that as a change in scenery. So Devin Vassell, number one, Maxi two and pool three. Yeah. I am so off the pool train. I think you don't want to be part of the pool party. No, dude. I think, I think he needs to be, I think for his own <laughs> ego's sake, he needs to be the third guy on a team. The fact that he's getting all of this, I think it goes to his head. I don't I think mean, at least got, it's happening in Washington. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't think it, it translates well for him. And don't his, you count out the Washington wizards, Kyle Kuzma and Jordan pool. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, I think it goes to his head and he does not turn into what everyone thought he was going to be. Yeah. I also feel like it's questionable with the leadership and whatnot. Like if you, I don't know if you can be that, I mean, you can be that moody, I guess. And like, he's still a little sassy Yeah, as he, the best player, but are you going to win? Are people going to want to follow you? Are people going to come play with you voluntarily? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you shit on my list. Oh, because I have Kate as number one. Oh, well, I don't know. I didn't know that being a second year, you're just not eligible for it. All no, I hear, el- you're eligible, but no one's ever won never it. happened. All never I hear, happened. all I've heard is how good he he did at the USA stuff. Yeah, how good he looks, how insane he was supposed to be this last year, and it just never never got put into place. He's got Monty Williams now. I kind of like the Pistons. I do too. Be like great, but just to like make a little step in the right direction. I like that too. It's what Monty Williams does with teams. So I think I think he goes crazy, and I think he's put in a place to go crazy. That's what the franchise wants him to be. He's their guy. So I think I think he makes a big step from everything I've heard from anybody that's ever seen him or played with him at the USA thing. Is that how is how good he looked? Yeah, and that was, I remember that. Yeah, that was like the big takeaway. They're like, this guy is it. Like, and they were, I think they were kind of kicking themselves that they didn't put him on the team because mm-hmm. he was just on the practice team, the select team to play against them. Yeah. And, I, and I'm pretty sure what was the report that he like kicked their ass and that yeah. the select team won. They beat the, the Olympic team. He's already <laughs> it was had like two out of three scrimmages or something. Yeah. He's already had 30 this year. I mean, we're a couple games in. I mean, no, he looks great. He looks, he looks great. great. 
And they finally, I mean, they, I think they've gotten to that point where they've drafted enough talent around him that his game kind of takes that next step because he's a playmaker. He's kind of like that point forward, maybe even a point guard, honestly. He's really more of a point guard rather than, I don't really need to say point forward anymore. I think he plays point guard. Yeah. And they got uh, Asar Thompson. They got Jaden Ivey. So you have two young athletic guys playing on the wing that can play off of him. And when Bogdanovich comes back, same thing. Nice shooter to spot up with. So yeah, a little I, bit I, of a vet. Yeah, and that's why that's why I was saying I brought it up at first. Is like I want him to win. I like Kate Cunningham, and I'd like him to be considered. I just I didn't know if the media would swing that way. I don't know. I don't know if they would do it just because. And it's a it's a dumb point to make, but I just figured maybe they'd be weird about the whole like, hey, he's kind of only played two years, and maybe maybe it's too soon, or. Yeah. Because I feel like there's like this surprise factor to MIP. Like it's always like we didn't think you were gonna get this good. Sometimes, yeah. like Jimmy Butler won it, Goran Dragic won it, because it was like, oh, we didn't think you were gonna get this good this fast, and you did. So with him, I feel like it might be a product of like, oh, you, we knew you were gonna get that good. Like Anthony Edwards, he never won it. Yeah, like he's gonna have like, to go oh. insane for people to be like, oh, we didn't see this coming. Like we yeah. saw you coming, but we, yeah, I could see that too. It, it's a sweet spot. Like the one year Jaw won it, I was almost like. I don't really think you should have won it. And same thing with Luca won it one year. And I'm like, did, did we, did, was that the right thing to do? Cause like we knew they were going to be good. Like no. the expectation was, yeah, they're going to be an all-star this year. And then they did it. And it was like, okay, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's true. Well, all right. Now my, second guy, my second guy, I don't know. Do, if, do people coming off injury, is, are they allowed to become an MIP? I think it depends. Because I have Zion. I think that works. I have Zion. I think he has got drugged through the mud, dragged through the mud, whatever. And, drug and his drag. image is <laughs> his image is not there. Everyone's kind of written him off, but like before his image he was is fat injured, shaming and baby mamas. Yeah. <laughs> not a great image, but before he before he got injured last year, like he he can't go right and people still just can't guard him. Yeah. You cannot stop him. So maybe all this people talking shit on him, maybe it, it steers him in the right direction. I just think he's still kind of unstoppable. And his only question mark is staying healthy. If he stays healthy, I think that people have written him off in their minds and that's where he comes in with that shock factor of, Oh, we kind of forgot about you. We kind of writ you off, written you off about, you don't really care as much as we all thought you did and blah, blah, blah. And then he comes out and is unstoppable. So, and then my third guy's Vassell. You've already talked about him. Can't have a shock factor just because he was, you know, nobody yeah. paid attention to the Spurs last year. Now everybody's paying attention to the Spurs. Yep. It was kind of known at the end, middle to end of last year, how good he was becoming and, and making steps. So I think he's an, he's an obvious, uh, an obvious guy that can make a jump this year and have the attention for the jump that he makes, like you oh, said. I think we're agreeing on a lot of things. Are we just the best, you know, basketball hot take people around? Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe I have don't... zero dark horses on this list. Yeah, ESPN, hire us, <laughs> hire us. We will attract at least one viewer. My mom will will listen. Well, I don't, let... know, I don't know how much ad revenue that's worth to you, but clearly we're good at this. And let's just go to the category that's going to have the most dark horse names in it. Uh, rookie of the year. Who do you got? Okay. Um, I've messed with this so many times. And originally I had Scoot number one. 
and this was like a week ago, a couple weeks ago, and then I thought, you know what, he's a little too raw for me. I don't think he's really going to, I don't think he's going to win Rookie of the Year because, first of all, the Trailblazers are going to be horrendous. Yep. Especially now that Anthony Simons is out, they're going to be bad. They might be the worst team in the league. I don't think Aiden improves them that much over Nurkic, and that's not to say that he's worse than him. I just think for what they need and what he's going to provide, I don't think it's really going to change their winning impact too much. But, yeah, Rookie of the Year, I I got sold, okay? I watched some preseason, and I went back to Wemby, man. I went right back to Wemby. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to zag. And so I had Scoot there. I had Chet there, and I settled on Wembenyama. The only thing that worries me is, so like this year, the NBA, you know how they're doing the, um, I believe it's 65 game minimum for to be eligible for season awards. Mm-hmm. And the Spurs were very clear that when they drafted him, they said, you know, we're, we have a plan for him. You know, we've never had a player this tall moving this sort of way laterally and herky jerky and all that sort of thing. Like the concern is what if you tear something or if it doesn't hold up? And I know that he takes it very seriously. I've seen, you know, his workout, I don't know if you've seen it, he has like a whole like pliability, flexibility routine. It's kind of disturbing, but happy to see that he takes care of himself to prevent injury. But my worry, do nowadays. my worry is that the Spurs take it easy and he misses more games so he wouldn't be eligible. I think if he's healthy, though, there's just no one else you can give it to, man. He's, he's wild. You can't. And I was with you on the whole, like, this guy's not going to be what everyone says he was. And I saw summer league. I was like, "This guy's gonna get pushed off of all his spots." Nope. Like he's his finishes, even like you know, you see clips and it's just people talking about how good he is. But he's like having to make awkward, like weird people pushing him below the waist, and he's not like ready for that. And I was like, "This is a summer league. Like he's gonna get in the league with vets and people who are stronger than this." And then you, like you said, the preseason happened, and I was like, "Well, fuck everything." I thought this guy's incredible. I think and also what are you was, gonna do? I think we were thinking like he's gonna play like a traditional big man because we're like, hey, seven five, he's a center, he's gonna post up, he's gonna be down on the block sometimes, maybe spot up for three. But I think they started using him differently. They started using him kind of like a big wing. Yeah, and, I thought he's going to Greg Popovich. Like, yeah, he's not gonna let him. You're thinking like, like they're gonna shoot twos like they always do. They're not gonna, you know, they're gonna be traditional offense. Yeah. But it's, he's it, not going to a place where he's just going to have free reign. Like you're not going to get that with Pop. And then preseason happened, and then I saw Pop talk about he had like a 15 point game, and he only got like one play drawn up for him. I was like, well, this kid's yeah. incredible. I mean, what the, uh, he's dunking over people standing straight up, and he's outside of the. I mean, just just the faces area. of these people when <laughs> when he dunks on them or blocks them, and the people look these players. I saw this thing, Thomas Bryant. On yep. the heat, yeah. he dunked on him, and then he just—it was dunker block. I can't remember. It was at the rim, and he just looks at the ref. He's like, "What the hell am I supposed to do?" <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, he dunked over him, and yeah, a guy who's been in the league for years was like, what "Outside the fuck of the restricted area, like yeah, like some people that surprised, like you jump outside of the restricted area and then land in and dunk at the rim, but no, he jumped straight up outside of the restricted area and dunked it with his arms reached out, which is just absurd. He genuinely does. Like, he does things that no one's ever done. Like when you play, when we played 2K growing up, and you make the player that's too big, you know, 99 all stats, and it's yeah. hilarious how his animations look because they they didn't have like the animations for some. He legitimately looks like that. He looks yeah. like he has weird animations because he's, he's awkwardly graceful. Yeah. Yep. I'm not even going to name anybody but him. I don't care. 
Yeah, I just don't think it's possible for anyone to win unless, like we said, he gets hurt or he doesn't play enough games because they got him on a schedule. In that case, I have Chet um, and Scoot. And I think it's a toss-up between them just for the sheer fact that they're both really good. This is a really good class. And Chet is going to provide a lot for that Thunder team. They didn't have a real center last year. They played Jalen Williams, the the other Jalen Williams, the, the one that's not as good. Uh, the center, the center one who's really like more of a power forward doesn't yep. really defend the rim. Now they have somebody to send the shots back, like we said earlier. So yep. I feel like that's going to be huge. As he far got the as classic got injured, gets a little taste of the NBA, yep. so he doesn't he doesn't come in wide. Blake Griffin, the Joel Embiid, the Ben Simmons. Him. Yep. Yeah, I think that's going to be super helpful. I mean, just the fact of being in an NBA facility, working with NBA trainers coaches for a whole year that is a huge benefit yep and you know some people are like oh he hasn't even played yet it's like i i mean the amount of training and i guess resources you have compared to when you're in college or maybe you're in the g league so different so and different just being exposed to everything about yeah the travel and game plans culture everything everything yeah you just so, get yeah. to dip your toe in before everyone else yeah, and I bought in on that. And same thing, like I think people overhyped Chet for a little bit. And I kind of felt bad because it's not his fault that I seemed like people thought, you know, before Wemby, he was kind of that guy, like the unicorn. He's going to come in, he's going to be nuts. And I, I don't think he's going to be that guy, but I do think he's going to be really good. I don't think he's going to be MVP or maybe not even an all star, but I think really good. Um, and Scoot, same thing. Keys to the franchise. Anthony Simons just went down. Um, I'm so, so upset about Anthony Simons talking about I MIP, know. dude. He was like, he yeah. had it. He had the opportunity teed up, and yeah, he he's really good. Did. Yeah, he's a shot maker. I think people forget that, and he's also. I mean, let's not forget. Did he win the dunk contest that dude, one year? I don't know. I don't. I don't think he won it. I don't remember. He might have, but I was like, how the fuck is Anthony Simons? I know. I remember watching that, and, and I was like, like, why is this oh, guy here? God. Yeah. I did not know he, sneaky he got athletic. Like yeah, very sneaky. And not very valued. I don't know why more teams wouldn't call about him, or maybe the Blazers didn't want to give him up, but yeah, very good player. I agree, yeah. It sucks that he got hurt, because yeah, it almost feels like he could have easily won that, like, no contest. Yeah, he uh, had it teed up for him, for sure. My dark horse. Okay, I don't do this for everything, but like, this one I've given a little extra on the top. My dark horse, Keontae George. Uh, he's a point guard drafted by the Utah Jazz. I think the Jazz have been searching for a lead guard because they have Jordan Clarkson, but he's kind of like that combo guard who's going to come off the bench and score and sometimes finish games. Just a then, walking bucket. Just a walking bucket, yeah. Mr. Filipino, Team Philippines. <laughs> he went nuts in the Olympics and like, you know, yeah, he's, he's, he's their he's, guy. He's not but, a lead guard, but... He's a bucket. Yeah. And then they have, they signed our, you know, we're, we're Bulls fans, and they signed our boy Chris Dunn. He's back in the league. But again, same thing. Not really a lead guard. He's going to be out there when you need more defense. He's probably not a franchise cornerstone or a piece. And I think Keontae George fell a little farther than people expected. And he's really damn good. I watched him in the summer league in preseason. He just makes the right decisions. And I think he's a smart player in a good system. I think Will Hardy's a great coach. And I think he's put in a position to, I mean, not I don't want to say flourish, but like be really successful, because you have Laurie Markinen, Kelly Olynyk, who are two bigger, 
I guess they're they're bigs. I mean, Laurie plays the wing, it seems like nowadays, but still, you got bigs that you can work off of. And I feel like that helps a lot when you're a guard and you come in, you have an established team with an all-star and Laurie Markinen. You got, you got they have shooters, they have solid defenders. They're not the greatest team, but I think if he shows you, you know, let's say Wemby gets hurt, Chet and Scooter meh, and Keontae George is playing phenomenal when nobody thought he was that good. I think that's like a recipe for him to sweep on in and win it. Um, is he going to be the best person out of this draft class? Probably not. But that happens sometimes where rookie of the year isn't necessarily the best person. It's just, you know, who was the best rookie? Like Malcolm Brogdon won rookie of the year. Probably not the best person in his rookie class. Yeah, that's a legit dark horse. That is uh, much... Much, Much more darker? dark horse than any of my dark horses. <laughs> yeah, darker horse than Mobley, you think? <laughs> yeah, darker horse than Mobley for sure. All right, we're gonna move on then. Six man of the year, boy. Forgot this award this, even existed. That's good. Did you even write down anything? Nope. Okay. Forgot well, this award existed. You're gonna have to do it on the fly, or I you just work off of what I say. That's fine. Because honestly, it wasn't a very interesting one to discuss. Because there's not a lot of like cool bench stories or I don't know. I feel like that bench rolls in the NBA. It feels like the traditional like six man role isn't really like a popular thing anymore. You know, like I feel like when we were growing up watching basketball, like Lamar Odom, Manu Ginobili, Lou Will, like those guys, Jamal Crawford, like guys that would come off the bench and be like, be like a burst of energy to your team. That's not really super popular anymore like jordan clarkson's kind of that guy but i'm pretty sure he starts for the jets yeah so i was looking at some of the people and the best thing i could come up with was emmanuel quickly um he had a good end of the season run uh when he was i think jalen brunson went down and he was kind of thrust into the starting role and i want to say he averaged around like 18 5 and 5 and that's nothing crazy but you know if you're coming off the bench Clearly, you're talented. Thib seems to like him. And if he puts in, you know, good minutes and they win a little bit like they did last year, I don't know if they're going to be as good, but I could see him coming away with the sixth man of the year, especially because it's just not a competitive year for that award. And I'll try and fly through the rest of this, like I said, because it's not super interesting. Norman Powell can give you a quick 18 to 20 off the bench. He's on the Clippers. Only issue might be, you know, as we've seen before, if Kawhi and Paul George go down, he's going to become a starter and not going to be qualified for that award. Yeah, and that's then, what happens all the time. They just become yeah. starters. And then they're screwed. And I, yep. like, I, feel like, I feel like before in the NBA, like a very popular thing to do was like, you know, if you have that guy who's like good enough to be a starter, be like, we're going to stagger him because we want him to come off the bench. So we have a piece like we don't, the, the NBA doesn't really do that anymore. It doesn't seem. I think there was a lot more bench dumping going on you know, five, 10 years ago where like, you know, okay, all the benches in now it's like they stagger their stars. Like it seems like the starters play together in the first, they close out the second quarter a lot. Um, and then obviously they close out the fourth together, but in between that, like they're staggered They're, you know, like, I don't know the bulls, for example, a little different, but <laughs> maybe that wasn't a great example. Don't even get me started about the bulls. Then we could talk about that at the end, but you know what I mean? Like where they'll start the game together and then maybe DeRozan will take a seat and, yep. Levine will come in and then they'll just keep staggering their guys and mixing in the bench players with the starters rather than being like, all right, we're going to dump in four bench guys. Cause like using the bulls, for example, when they were good in 2010, 2011, when we had the bench mob and you know, <laughs> when the first quarter is coming down to it and you see 
Ronnie Brewer, CJ Watson, Taj Gibson, and Omer Sheik all checking into the game at once. I mean, they're called the bench mob for a reason. They played, they kind of came in all at once. And I don't think that's super popular anymore. Um, so anyway, kind of got off on a tangent. But what I'm trying to say is I think it was like a strategic choice to keep a guy who's pretty talented that could be a starter on the bench to help get you through those those lulls when your starters are out. But nowadays, I think they figured out a way around that and they just stagger their stars till the end. Yeah. So there's not really those clear-cut bench guys that you're like, yeah, that's the sixth man of the year, at least right now. So Norman Powell and then my last guy, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, for the same reason we said earlier about the Mavs, if they're winning, he's coming off the bench, giving them 18, 19. Uh, I could see him winning it just because you're, you're adding some offensive firepower to a team that needs it, especially when Luka and Kyrie aren't out there. That team's kind of dead on the water, dead in the water. They don't really have a lot going for them. And that's not to say they're not good, but they don't have a lot of like elite creators. So I could see a world where Tim Hardaway Jr. gets those points and wins the award. But that's a boring award. Do you want to add anything since you didn't write anything down? Um, I like Kelly Oubre if he stays on the bench for the Sixers. Kelly. Oh, wait. No, I like Kelly Oubre. <laughs> I don't like Kelly Olenek. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you don't like Olitsky. Um, I like that guy. <laughs> uh, I like Kelly Oubre on the Sixers. Um... Bogdanovich on the Hawks. He stays okay. on the bench and, and doesn't switch out for uh, like DeAndre Hunter or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throw off a couple names because I forgot this award existed. That's okay. It's a pretty forgetful award lately. <laughs> I don't even know yeah. who won it last year. I don't either. Was it? Oh, it was I, I remember that Tyler Hero didn't win it, and I was just like, I'm over this award. It was Malcolm Brogdon. Which again, like I was saying, like he played with the starters so much. Like, is he even really a six man? <laughs> like, just because you don't start the game, like, I don't. I think the whole award's kind of weird, but whatever. You're right, it's not the same as it used to be. Like Jamal yeah. Crawford is the six man. Yes, it's, it's like a. It's, it's, there's there's no shift change anymore. Like you said, it's just staggered. Yep, staggered. So, did you write down coach of the year? I got two. Okay, let's hear. Um, my first one, I like Rick Carlisle. I Ricky really like the Pacers. Yeah. I don't know why. I love Halliburton. Okay. Buddy Heald off the bench could be sixth man of the year. We'll throw Is Buddy he Heald the bench? In uh, he has so far. Yeah. Oh, that feels weird. It does feel weird. But Who's starting? Nemhard? Uh, no, I think Nemhard's coming off the bench too. Bruce Brown maybe then. Bruce Brown. Yeah, you're right. Bruce Brown um, and Jairus Walker. Who knows? I don't know exactly what the Pacers are doing. I, I, I'll admit, haven't watched a lot of Pacers basketball on my league pass. Uh, Matherin's starting. Oh, shit. Forgot about him. I like him. Yeah. I mean, I like Halliburton. I like... I, they just seem... I mean, another small media team that everyone looks over. Tyrese Halliburton has... Should have, uh, what was the award he should have got last year? MIP. Yep. Had a chance at the MIP last year. I liked Rick Carlisle in Dallas. He's, they're just yeah. under the radar team that can shock people. That was a weird, uh, Bruce Brown, Matherin, Halliburton, Miles Turner. Uh, and 
I just feel like no team is really deep anymore. Now that we st- now that I started thinking about like six man of the year, it's just like like the Celtics aren't that deep. I feel like people just get all the star power and then stagger, like you said. Yeah. Uh, and then I got Willie Green. Willie Green. They were, you know, I like that because the Pelicans were top of the West last year around, I want to say November, December before they all went down with injuries. So I feel like that's a good pick. Willie Green, I've I, the only I've only ever heard good things about players that have talked about him that have played there, like Josh Hart talked about how good he was as a culture guy. I like if Zion thinks what I think he might do this year. Those are like two teams that could come out of nowhere for people. Yeah, that, that you well, don't really pay too. attention to as much, and then you're kind of like, "Whoa, how did they get that record?" And then you kind of get into the coaching coach of the year that way. But it also could just be like Joe Mazzula or somebody, yeah. or or Frank Vogel. It's just like I don't really know how coach of the year works. Like if your team, if you're Frank Vogel, like how you should you shouldn't even be eligible for coach of the year. Yeah, I mean you have three All NBA guys. You have like if you're a front running team, I don't know how, I don't know how, but but sometimes yeah. coaches like that get it. I like, know teams I just agree do with you. do like I I can't I can't gauge coach of the year. I don't know if it's the team that makes the biggest jump. I don't I don't know exactly what it is, but I for for what I think coach of the year is, I like a team that makes a jump or a team that people didn't see being as good as they were. Rick Carlisle and and Willie Green are my two guys, and then I'll throw like. You know Joe Missoula, just in case. Oh baby, second row Joe. My dark horse Joe Missoula. Oh wow, dark horse, <laughs> dark horse with the most talented team in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, okay, uh, I got my first number one for me is Mark Dagenault. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He's the Thunder's head coach, and kind of the same thing I talked about earlier. Well coached team. Young players, if they make a splash and kind of get into that top half of the playoff seating in the West, they're going to look and be like, wow, why is this young team playing so smart? They're beating vet teams. Yeah, I mean, look at the way that they... Like the Bulls. Yeah, they dismantled the Bulls. (laughs) Um, That was painful as a Bulls fan. It's so hard to watch. I don't know how they keep running out the same product and thinking... We're going to do different this year. It's just mediocre and crap. But anyways, Thunder, like I'm saying, young, young talent. I think they're going to take a step forward. You got to look at Mark Dagenal and consider that, especially like we were saying before, like everyone seems to be behind the Thunder and kind of happy that they're growing their talent the way they are. and They're that whole yep. model franchise and whatnot. They're only going to get better going forward with their million yep. draft picks. And like we said, like you were saying, they don't have like a true second guy. Yeah. Um, so it's just Shea. So like when you look at teams like that, typically they're super well coached and they play smart. Uh, when there's not like that, all you know that couple all stars that can bail you out of crappy situations. Yeah, like, especially if Shea and like the media like ta- is talking good about him or something yeah. like that. Like because he's he's a coach, people aren't gonna know. Mm-hmm. Like people are gonna know like the Rick Carlisles. He's been around for a while, but he's that's a guy Poor like Mark Dagenault. If you get your your star and, and Shea behind you talking good about like the culture you're making or the decisions you're making or anything like that, it's going to point people to him. And like you said, without a second guy, it's going to be like, oh well, it's Shea. And then what else is happening? And yeah, it's the coach. I agree. But poor Mark Marky D needs some love, man. 
Got Give it. me some love for my boy Marky D. Can well, you're we giving him love right now. Hashtag Marky D for, for coach of the year. No one's going to get hashtag. that starting. Well, no one's going to get that started, <laughs> so it's okay. We don't got to worry about it. Uh, number two, I got Taylor Jenkins. I thought he was going to win it last year. I like Monty Williams, but I think it was stupid that he won it. The Suns were already an elite team. They made it to the finals, and then he won it again. That's that what I'm stupid. talking about. That is dumb to me. That made no sense. I don't get it. I get that they still improved, and I know like... Like, how do you get coach of the year with that team? It doesn't I get make it. sense. I know well, the whole thing was like, so they won, what, 60-something games, and then the next year they won like 65. And it's like, when you're that good, it gets that much harder to get more wins. I get that. Totally understand. But traditionally, I'm with you. Coach of the year should be something where it's like, hey, this team exceeded expectations because of coaching. They didn't really exceed expectations because of the coaching, per se. I think they just played really well as a team. And coaching is a part of that. But I don't think like Monty Williams like was like this driving force behind why they won more games. I think he was part of it, not the main reason. And yeah, like like why didn't Steve Kerr get a million coach of the years when he was literally yeah his philosophy was changing the NBA. Yeah, I mean because you're on the once, Warriors, I think that's what you're supposed to do. But like that, I could see if you are on the Warriors, but like the way that you're coaching your team and the play style is so different that it's changing the league. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Yes. But if you're just coaching a really good team and you do really good, I mean, Monty Williams is a great coach. And I said that earlier when I was talking about Cade, but like, this is, that's what I'm saying about this award. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. It's, it's all over the place. And a lot of these words, a lot of these awards don't make any sense. They never do. They're yes. media based awards. A lot of the time, I think, I think it's a split now. I think it's more evenly split now. I want to say it's a third, a third players, a third media, and a third fans. I want to say just do 50, 50 player fans. What I just are we think doing the here? fans might just be needed to take it out of it because it's just popularity contest. And that sounds yep. bad, but I think it's true. I mean, why not give the people who know, like the media? I mean, they can trust whoever they want. These media personalities, like the Stephen A's, the the Bill Simmons, the the us. Brian horse. Yeah, the us. We can get a vote. Let's let's campaign for a vote. I'm down. The bench pod wants a vote, and we're demanding it. Or that's not demand. We're campaigning for it on our first episode. No, we're demanding it. Okay, we're demanding. I'm behind it. that. We want to vote. Chris and Jordan want to vote. Yep. And we won't stop podcasting until we get a vote. So maybe if our po- this goes both ways, maybe we're so popular. That people give it to us, or we're so dog shit that the world will beg us to get a vote. So we stop. So it's a win win. We either get a vote or we have a good podcast. Yep. Okay. We're demanding cool. it. Okay. I like that. Um, bench pod for, for media voters. You are just churning um, out hashtags this pod. I don't know why I am. Nobody even uses hashtags. Maybe we bring it back and that's how we get our vote. I don't think we're bringing anything back, man. We're old now. We're not cool enough to bring things back. That's what I'm saying. We're so out of it now that we just keep doing what we have been doing our whole lives. So we're bringing like it back that. at this point. Hashtags are vintage. Hashtag hashtags are vintage. All right, next. Um, <laughs> number two, <laughs> Coach of the Year. I don't know if I said this already, but Taylor Jenkins. Yeah, yep. so I thought he should win Seven. it last year. This year, John Morant's out for 25 games. Um, they have a positive record without John Morant in the past two seasons they played without him. So I think if they continue that and, you know, they lose them for 25 games over the whole gun thing, um, 
and they're still cruising, you know, top half of the West. I think you have to hand it to, to Taylor Jenkins for keeping the ship, you know, sailing smooth and not a lot of hiccups because they also lost. And I hate Dylan Brooks as much as the next guy, but <laughs> he really did. He meant a lot more to that team than I think people realize. Like, yes, he talked way out of his fucking line. He thought he's a lot better than he was, but the Grizzlies leaned on him a lot more than people think. If you watch those games, he was giving them 20 points when Jaws out. He's guarding their best player. Maybe he's not as good as he says, but he's still doing that. And you're going to miss that. I know they got Marcus Smart, but he might just introduce similar issues as far as shot selection goes and whatnot. And he's still, but he's actually a great defender. But I'm still saying, I think they're going to miss the loss of Dylan Brooks a little bit. They also lost Tyus Jones, who, when Ja was out, was a fantastic point guard. I'm pretty sure he had one of the highest assist to, tur- assist to turnover ratios in the league. And now he's in he's in Washington. So that also could be why they had such a good record when Ja was out. So maybe my boy Derek Rose can hold it down, getting some of those point guard minutes off the bench. But I think if Taylor Jenkins keeps them going straight and, you know, they have a good successful season, even with Ja missing 25 games, he's definitely in the race. Um, and then the last one I have is Adrian Griffin, who is the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks now. And that's for the sheer fact that they have, you know, two of like the top 10 players in the league and probably one of the most dominant outside players to ever play and one of the most dominant inside players ever play. And if they cruise to like 63 wins, I would not be surprised if this was last year. I would be because they're going to take rest. They're playing for the playoffs. They're in their thirties, whatever. Um, Or at least, you know, Dame's 33. Got to watch the mileage, that whole thing. But this year there's that whole NBA rule on resting and whatnot. So they're going to be playing and Giannis isn't the type of guy to take games off if he doesn't have to. So I think they're going to play hard. And if they win 63, 64 games, I think you got to hand it to Adrian Griffin, even though maybe you can argue they should be that good. Um, but I can still see it happen. doesn't matter. I know. I agree with you, but I can see it happen. This award doesn't matter. if It's amazing. Doesn't matter if your team's terrible. You have the same chance to win. It makes no sense. Yeah, None of it makes any sense. But at the same point, like meshing all those all those guys together, bringing in a a superstar and being able to integrate him, and not saying that like Chris Middleton or or Giannis or any of the guys in Milwaukee are like divas or anything like that, or like they would be hard to play with. But you still got to mesh their play styles together, so you could have that going for him too. Yeah. Well, that's all the awards because I figured we were not going to do the Clutch Player of the Year. And all that, all that other yeah. stuff. Cause I mean, I how do you that, even predict that? I feel like that's, I mean, that's just purely, uh, I don't want to say luck, but it's like, it's random because whoever's going to be in the most close games, it's based off of who scores the most points at clutch time. Usually yeah. I think that's how they do it. Um, so that's not really something that opinion comes into too much, but as far as some other things I want to talk about was, what do you think about Embiid? Do you think that the clock starts ticking? on Embiid now because I was thinking early last year when I'm like oh wow Harden you know he has what if he doesn't sign here or what if he pulls the same shit where he signs and then he's like I want to get out like at what point does Joel Embiid be like this franchise is not very stable I'm like he's pushing what is he 28 29 like he's got to start he doesn't have much more time how many more healthy seasons does that guy have because he's only played what two full healthy seasons 
So I'm thinking how I much know. time until he demands a trade or something. Yeah, or until he starts looking elsewhere. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, everyone demands a trade. The fact that Dame demanded a trade after like all this shit, which I'm not saying is wrong, but like, I don't know, man. That that franchise is, is arguably more more fucked up than the Bulls. I mean, the Sixers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they have the whole tanking thing going on. Then they had, uh, what was it, Coangelo's wife going on Twitter and and just lighting up people defending her husband as the GM. And I mean, just so many Simmons. superstars have gone there and none of them have worked. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. to AI for staying there a very long time. I think, I don't even think that if he demands a trade that the Sixers even get anything, really. You think so? I think he gets, I mean, the one thing I've seen that people have compared a lot, which I think this is a total pipe dream for the Lakers, is they think like Anthony Davis for Joel Embiid, something around that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's stupid. I think Embiid's the more valuable piece. Not even close, yes. Yeah, you're trading an MVP for a guy who can play really well, but is made of glass. But anyway, yeah, I just started to think, when do you think that clock's going to start running? Do you think it starts now, now that they're seeing how this whole hearted thing went down? Because yeah, apparently I mean, they're still tight. Like there's reports that like they, they're still friends. Like Embiid's not mad at Harden with how it went down. So whatever went down between Daryl Morey and Harden seems like Embiid has his back. So I'm wondering at one point, does he look at the franchise and say, I'm out. All right, get me out of here. I don't even know if it's so much as a franchise. It's just like, I mean, not to say that the franchise isn't bad because it is, but like, how do they even win? Like I mean, with they don't. the teams that there are now, like yeah, you just have to when you almost have to demand a trade to become like a contender. Like it's cr- the teams that are forming, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, especially with the crazy. Celtics in the East. I mean, you had the Heat coming out of the East last year, so you still got to worry about them somewhat. They match up well against the Sixers, then they got yeah. the Bucks now, then they got the Celtics. That's, I mean, the Cavs even could threaten them at some point. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. At some point, you do have to look at your squad and be like, is this really going to work out? But I don't know if they have the pride to tear it down. They had to trust the process, and Embiid seems like he's such a Philly guy, and he loves them. And you know, Yeah, I mean, it's a big market. It's a tough street. market. Your fans are expecting you to win. It's just like the Bulls. They're just like the Bulls. And Philly Indeed. fans are famous for just absolutely hating their teams. Yeah, and and needing like a winning team. So when you get stuck in that cycle, it's like you can't rebuild and you can't you can't like they don't have enough pieces to just go get like someone crazy that can yeah. make them a contender. So they're stuck in like the Bulls situation where it's like you're taking a chance on guys who are maybe a little bit past their prime just to give you a Something's... little bit that little bit to get over the hump, but then yeah. like but then, like, Milwaukee gets Dame, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, Yeah, what am I supposed to do about that? You can't blow it up because you want to get wins for your, your fan base, and you don't want to go back through the draft. I mean, they tried going through the draft, and it uh, worked horrendously. So, yeah, I think I think <laughs> you, you're right. He you could, think Markel went well? Uh, I mean, they fucked up his shot, man. It's, it's not pray even... Pray for Markel. Pray for him. Pray for him. Well, that's what I'm saying. Look at all this stuff we brought up that they've screwed up. Dude, and Michael I just, Carter Williams. 
so much. I mean, they screwed. I still think we're going to learn what happened with Markel Fultz. I feel like something weird went down. Maybe some poor medical advice, a bad procedure. Something went down. Either way, the Sixers didn't handle that well. They kind of threw him under the bus at the end of it. Same thing with Ben Simmons. They threw him under the bus. And now whatever's going on with Harden is dysfunctional. And I just but, think you're Joel Embiid and you're approaching 30 and you say, I need to go win. I've already got my MVP. I already have my taste of the playoffs. He's going to want to go somewhere, I think, eventually. And I think by the end of this year, I think there's, I think the rumors are going to start soon. But I think by the end of this year, it's going to be a real possibility that he gets traded maybe in the offseason or something near to it. Yeah. And I, I don't even know if... I don't even know if Harden or the I don't know if it's Harden or the associate or the the organization. Yeah, like everywhere both. Harden goes, he's a problem. Yeah, everywhere. So it's like, yeah, if you're in beat and you're his boy, like you're gonna be like, yeah, you know, I, I got your back, or whatever. But maybe he's just indifferent on both sides because Harden goes to Brooklyn, it's a shit show. He goes to Houston, it's all about him. So I mean, at what point is it not the organization anymore and it's Harden? I don't know. I, yeah, and I'm not saying he's innocent. I just clearly something happened. I mean, the whole story that Harden has apparently said is he was promised a certain deal if he opted into or opted into his last year or to this year because he had an option. So like, hey, you opt into this year, like we'll make sure to get you that extension that you want. So he opts in, and then I think Daryl Morey pulled the whole like, ah, well, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anymore. So then he's like, I'm not playing. Because you promised me an extension, and now you're not giving it to me. So I get that, um, if that's what happened. But, you never you know, know. The other thing with Harden is, like, I don't even know what he commands at this point. I, I mean, he's been on the trade market for, what, a month, two months? Who who wants him? Nobody. Want, the only team that wanted him was the Clippers. And nobody wants to play for the Clippers, it seems like, except for Kawhi and Paul George. And they don't even want to play for the Clippers. They don't even want to Yeah. They just want to miss 40 games and cash the paycheck. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I think Joel moving could, could happen pretty soon. Yeah, and I think with Harden, I really don't think... I think he you know he wants to go contend. I don't think the contenders want him. I can't think of a single contender where they're like, oh, yes, that, our team would be much better with James Harden. Or like, we're winning more games with James Harden. The only team I could see going that way... Because we're uh, idiots. Okay, the Bulls because they're idiots, <laughs> but they're not even good. They're not contenders. They don't count. But the Lakers, I could see the Lakers doing that because they need help shooting. They need help getting quality shots that aren't LeBron James. LeBron James is 39 years old. Anthony Davis is not reliable. Dude, they it's... got Austin Reeves. They're fine. Oh, God. Don't, 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 don't. They're fine. I, I love Austin Reeves, but they need a little more of the purpose. So that's the only team I could see. But even then, like, what are you trading for him? D'Angelo Russell? Probably. Like I feel like the Sixers are just going to keep waiting on this perfect Harden package, like they did with Ben Simmons. There's with no the... way you're getting rid of D'Angelo Russell and you're getting Joel Embiid. Or no, James Harden. Harden. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, no! What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Uh, D'Lo for Joel Embiid. Yep. D'Lo for Joel Embiid. Okay. I think uh, what is his name? Rob Lowe. Who's their fucking GM? Rob he looks... Yeah, he looks like Rob Lowe. He does. He's Rob Lowe. He is um, Rob Lowe. Anyway, uh, Lakers GM Rob Lowe would definitely hang up the phone. And yeah, I just don't know what's going to happen with that whole Harden situation. I don't know. The Sixers are a shit show. They sure are. Well, we so can end this Bulls. episode with something fun. Okay. What are we okay. doing? 
Oh, we're going to start it with a question. Okay. Or I guess not a question, uh, a fun question that I don't know how to answer. What is it? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. What is a poo-poo platter? Is a poo-poo platter? I I feel like everyone uses that word, and I have no idea what the hell a poo-poo platter is. I don't know. You're speechless. See, this is what I'm saying. These are questions that need to be answered. Maybe this will just be like a skit we could do, a little bit. A skit. Skip it. At the end of every episode, we're going to have questions that need to be answered. What the hell is a poo-poo platter? And I don't mean that to be funny. I genuinely thought about that the other day, and I have no fucking clue. I want to say it's like some French dish, and I'm picturing bugs or like seafood. I don't know, something gross, like snails maybe. Thinking like, uh, like the Lion King, like Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, that's a poo poo platter. That's a poo poo. That's a poo poo platter. Yeah, that caught me off guard. I can't lie. I didn't think we were going there. Well, it is four in the morning. For anyone who's listening to this, we are recording this at four in the morning Central Standard Time. So, this is probably going to be our least energetic and probably slowest thinking podcast we will put out. Hopefully, it'll be better. This is the highest energy I've put into anything in a long time. You have two kids. Yeah. Oh. Well, good for them. Yeah, uh, they just take all my energy. That's good. Well, I'm happy you can save a little bit for this podcast. I got you, man. All right. Well, I think it was Only a successful... Been, uh, three years in the making. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a long time, but I'm happy we finally did it at 4 a.m. on a Saturday night, or Sunday morning, I guess we could say. So. Um, I think in the future, you know, for football, I'm either going to have you on or Jacob, my brother. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'll give uh, some some random takes about things that I, I like don't that. know about. You can be uh everyday man's take, you know, like from the outside in. What should I think? Chris, let us know. Then you could let us know. I got you. You know, the people who just watch just to see Taylor Swift every um every That's cutaway, me. every touchdown. That, that might be you. That's me. And for you I, people out there, Chris can be your correspondent. He can translate the yeah, common man speak out of the NFL. Saying it's too much, Taylor. You can fuck off. You're right? wrong. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't even be watching the NFL. There's probably a good amount of people who honestly wouldn't. Yeah, there's uh, millions of people, dude. She is <laughs> gigantic. <laughs> well, anyways, we'll save that for episode two. Well, thanks for finally doing this, Chris. A poo-poo platter. A poo-poo platter. I'm happy we did this. I think, I think we can end it now. Hey, Jordan here. Um, I just realized that we totally forgot to thank whoever's listening to this for actually giving our podcast a chance. So friends, strangers, the two people listening, we appreciate you. Thanks for taking time today to listen to our podcast, and hopefully we'll be more entertaining in episode two. We're still learning, and I know it's pretty rough, but it'll get better. So thank you. Hope you have a good day, and we'll see you in episode two. And back to the outro. (laughs) 